Hey, church. Come on, celebration. You may be seated. Great to be in the house. Thanks for being here. And first Wednesday. First Wednesday gets the word. The early bird gets the word. Man, what a great story from Dave. Is Dave here at church tonight? Man, awesome. Good story, man. I want to know what artillery was in the car. <laughs> Need some more details. Thank the Lord it was a Christian policeman, huh? Had praise and worship playing in the cop car. Mixing church and state. Awesome testimony. Thanks for sharing that, man. Way to go. Fun stuff. Good stuff happening at Celebration Church. Hey, California needs you guys. I mean, isn't your state pretty much crazy? Not that I can say anything. I live up in Washington, and I know we're crazy. So we need to get the Lord into the lives of people, right? So thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me be a part of the church family tonight and, and uh, Celebration Church, and we're celebrating First Wednesday. So when I came to the Lord, kind of like Randy, man, I was just, you know, in the world and doing my thing and, and didn't have a clue and uh, was getting in trouble, in and out of jail, and my probation officer said to me, if the judge sees you one more time, you're going to the penitentiary. Well, that'll kind of make anybody pray, right? I mean, I've met a lot of people who learned how to pray in jail. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can be an atheist until they put you in jail. Then you're praying. Anyway. God, I know you're up there. And that was the beginning of, uh, of life for me and change for me. A little did I know that there was another guy praying about the same time in a penitentiary on McNeil Island. And he was praying, God, if you could use me, I'll give my life to help young men not end up like me. He was just finishing 24 years in the penitentiary. And the way that I, the reason that I'm opening this night with this story or these thoughts is because I want to say to you that anyone and anything in any life can change. Do you believe it? I really believe Christian life, walking with Jesus, is all about change. You know, when Jesus bumped into people, something changed. Sick people got healed. People that are down got lifted up. People that were hungry got filled. People that were confused got answers. When Jesus comes into people's lives, something changes. I think we live in a world where people so want change in their life. They want their marriage to be better, right? They want to be better husbands, better wives. Don't know how. Don't know what to do. Want their family to be better. Want to be better parents. Don't know what to do. 
I think the world feels stuck in their circumstances. I know I did, struggling with addiction, struggling with depression. I wanted to change. I went to the therapist, you know, went to the counselor, talked to the bartender. Nobody had any answers. You know what I'm saying? Nobody could help me. I mean, they tried. I suppose they were trying, but nothing seemed to work for me. And feeling stuck is a desperate place to be. You may feel that way in your marriage right now. You just feel stuck and you don't know how to get out or how to change. You may feel that way economically. A lot of us feel stuck financially. We want something better. We want something new. We want change in our finances. We don't know how to get it. When you feel like you can't change those tragic or negative or struggling circumstances of life, those doubts and those fears and that anxiety starts consuming you. And I think that's why in America, the greatest nation in the world, we have so many people medicating their pain every day with drugs, with alcohol, with pornography, with crazy stuff on their computer or crazy stuff in their life. How can we be in the greatest place at the greatest time on planet Earth and be discouraged, be depressed, be medicating, be struggling with so much addiction in our country? Well, I think it goes back to that scripture that says, where there is no vision, people smoke a lot of pot. It's in the Bible, right? It's in the Bible. Where there is no vision, people drink a lot of beer. Where there is no vision, people watch a lot of television. Where there is no hope, where there's no plan on how things will get better. When I can't see a way that I can change my life, then I start medicating. I start self-destructing. I start creating distractions. And that's where I was, just stuck. And I was so young. I was only 19 years old and just stuck in that negative life. I'm glad I found answers early. I'm glad I didn't wait till I was 50 or 60, 62 this year. I'm glad. Yeah, that deserves a hand clap right there. Hey. Give the brother a hand clap for just surviving, right? I'm glad that I found a way to change and to find something new. And it all started for me when I walked into Washington Drug Rehabilitation Center. And I met the man who had been praying just a year before in the state penitentiary While I was praying, God, if you're real, help me change. He was praying, God, if you can use me, I'll help young men. So I don't know what pictures we got up here, but I brought a a mug shot. Here, show them that mug shot. There's me, 19 years old. That's a few weeks before I got saved. Can you tell? And here's the guy that I met when I walked into Washington Drugstore. His name was Julius. He was, uh, you know, 30 years older than me, 
more than that. And Julius was a short guy. He'd done 24 years in the penitentiary, and he'd gotten saved there and miraculously delivered. So when I walked into Washington Drug Center, Julius looked up. He was shorter than I was, and he said, Big Red, you can change. You can change. He didn't preach to me yet. He didn't tell me about Jesus yet. He didn't, he, I, it was two weeks later he took me to church and I got born again. But on that day, I'll never forget, he didn't say you have to. He didn't say you better. He said you can. You can change. And something happened in me. I believed him. You know, I said, I've been to the counselors, the therapists, you know, the probation department, all that stuff. Nothing helped me. But when Julius said, you can change, I believed him. You know, God will use you to bring hope to people. To bring hope to those that have no hope. And sometimes they have to believe in you before they can believe in God. That's why you've got to talk to that neighbor. You've got to invite him to Celebration Church. You've got to tell him about what's happening in your church and in your youth and in your life groups and in your fellowship groups. And just tell them and let them know God has something for you. And you think it's no big deal and you think that you don't really, you know, you're not that spiritual or you don't know that many scriptures or you're afraid to say the wrong thing. No, all Julia said was, you can change. And hope came alive in me. Something changed in me. That was two weeks later before I got saved, but that was the beginning. Who knows that guy at your office? If you said to him, God has something great for you. Who knows what's going to go off in his spirit? You say to the lady that you bump into at Starbucks now and then, because you're always at the same Starbucks, right? And you say, man, you, let, sister, you should cut. No, don't call her sister. <laughs> you should come to our church. God has something wonderful for you. You don't know what may go off in her spirit. You just never know. People need to believe in you. Oftentimes before they can believe in God. So that was the beginning for me. I was in a drug rehab center. People come to church now, and, and now we're in our 37th year, right? Wendy and I have been married 39 years, and 37 years we've been pastor in the church. And this is fun, Rand. Uh, what was it, a week or two ago, we had Valentine's Day. Our first date, we were in Bible school, and Valentine's Day was our first date, and it was 40 years ago. And now 39 years we've been married. So... When people say, how did you get into ministry? I say, well, just go to rehab. You'll get there. <laughs> get in rehab, and then you can be a pastor. First, you have to get the artillery out of your trunk. And then you're a pastor. But that's how it happened. And Wendy and I met in Bible school. Now, she was a Methodist pastor's daughter. I kind of grew up religious, but never born again. And as a teenager then, her dad got saved and filled with the Spirit. He had been a pastor, you know, for years. And then he finally got saved. That's kind of weird, isn't it? 
And then she got saved and filled with the Spirit and came to Bible school. That's where we met. And she felt like right away we were going to get married. She didn't tell me that. Good thing, you know. But she called her mom after our first date. And she said, Mom, I met my husband. And I'll bring him home as soon as he gets out of rehab. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that was a wonderful conversation. I'm glad my daughter didn't do that. I met my husband, and he's in rehab. Mama said, go to rehab. I said, no, no, no. So then, well, after I started in the rehab center, we went to church, and interesting story, short, short uh, footnote. The church is now one of our campuses. 40 years ago, or a little bit more, was where I went and got born again. A couple years later, we got married there. We were volunteers in the junior high youth department, and then and now we're, we're the pastors there. You just don't know what God might do. Never say never. You just don't know. Huh? You just don't know. So I'm in rehab. I go to church. I get saved. And then something, something was wrong. I wondered if I'd really gotten saved. Because I still had this depression, anxiety, fear. I was so worried about my life, my future. And can I live this Christian life? I really didn't think I could live a Christian life. I could not see myself staying straight, right? I was one of those guys, we're going forward, we're never going straight. What, What does that mean? I could not imagine living a Christian life. I just couldn't see it. And I'd given my heart. I'd prayed the prayer. I'd been baptized. I'd done everything that the church was telling us to do. But I still felt discouraged, depressed. I wanted to go back to the drug. I just want to go get high. The addiction was still driving my life. And I thought when I went to church, everybody there was a great Christian except me. Little did I know, they were all crazy too. Well, not all of them, but... Mm-hmm. You know I'm talking about you, right? Well, many of us in church are still struggling with our self-identity. Some of us are struggling with our sexual identity. Some of us are struggling with our eating disorder. Some of us are still dealing with our drug problem, our alcohol problem. Some of us are still wrapped up in the pornography. I'm looking at you. Just keep looking straight ahead. Nobody will know. Right? We all come to church. We're all loved. We're all accepted. But we're all still in that process of change. And I thought, man, I can't even get saved. I don't think it's going to work. I think I've sinned too much. And the funniest thing, I knew nothing about the Bible. But somewhere I picked up the thought, maybe I've committed the unpardonable sin. I don't even know what that is. The unpardonable sin. It's weird how the enemy will give you thoughts to keep you stuck in your trouble, bound in your problems, hold you back from God's plan for your life. So I began to question my salvation and question if I could live the Christian life. And then one day God took me, somehow the Holy Spirit got me to scriptures in the New Testament about change. 
where Paul was writing to Christian people, not worldly people, not the unsaved. He was writing to saved people. And he was telling them that they needed to renew their mind. So I'd been born of God. Now I needed to get in this process of renewal. When we met Randy years ago, we were working on the message renewal. We still are. We just did a new book called Renewing the Mind 2.0. Now, we live up in Seattle where, you know, we got all the software companies, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, everybody's up there. So everything's got to have a number after. This is 2.0. I'm using Windows 10.0. That's going to be a book down the road. So far, just two. But that's where it started. And our subtitle is, With God's Grace, You Can Change. You don't have to change. You stay where you are. God loves you. God accepts you. You can go to heaven. You'll probably get there quick. You don't have to change. And I think that's important that you recognize. People often do, I just got to change. No, you don't. You can stay the same way you are. God loves you. You're accepted. You're in the family. You're on your way to heaven. You don't have to change. Well, no, I should change. Well, no, not really. There's not enough power in have to and should to get you where you want to go. As long as you live with guilt and condemnation and somebody wants me to change and God wants me to change and I better change and I have to change, you're not going to change. There's alcoholics all over the planet who are saying, I have to change, and then they go get drunk. There's not enough power in guilt and condemnation and have to and should to help you change. But if you ever decide, I want to become more like Jesus. Now, the power of God starts working in your life. This is an important point. Uh, God can't motivate you with guilt and condemnation because there is no condemnation in Christ. So if you're living with guilt and condemnation, you're not going to change. You're not going to be a better husband because you feel terrible about what you did yesterday. You're going to be a better husband when you decide, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be the husband that Jesus called me to be. I want to be the wife Jesus called me to be. I want to be the parent. Well, pastor said I have to go to this. I guess we better go. Pastor's on our case about it, you know. You know, you got to show up because maybe somebody from church will call you or something. That's kind of weird. (laughs) Pastor's trying to move you into God's plan and will for your life. Church is here to lift you and to help you find all that God has for you. If you turn it into law and condemnation, and I have to, and I better, you're never going to find what God has for you. Because there's not enough power in negative emotions to move you forward. Not enough power in negative motivations. That's why with your kids, don't say to your kids, God doesn't love you if you do that. He does. He loves you. Look what you've done. (laughs) You know, that's a shock when the kids realize, wait, what did dad just say? My dad's crazy. We try to motivate our kids with negative emotions. It doesn't work. 
The Bible said that the law stirs up rebellion. The law just creates that reaction. Now, some of us are quiet in our rebellion. We smile, we say amen, and then we're thinking, ain't never going to happen. Right? There's quiet rebellion. Then there's that out front rebellion. I'm out of here. You all suck. Oh, maybe I should. Can I say that in church? I mean suck in the Hebrew form. The Hebrew definition. Whatever that is. So we can't get motivated with guilt, condemnation, religion, law, legalism. But the greatest motivation is a desire to be like Jesus. Look with me at Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. I think the guys have it on the computer here. Romans 8 verse 29. Whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's already planned that you become like Jesus. You are predestined. You have a pre-established destiny to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to walk like Christ, to live like Christ. Hey, that's why we're called Christians. It means Christ-like. Now, I don't think any of us are there, right? Would anybody be so bold as to say, I have arrived, I am just like Jesus? Because if you think you are, I'm going to ask your wife. And she's going to blow your story, right? None of us are there. We all have attitudes that aren't Christ-like. We all get lazy. That's not Christ-like. We all get selfish. That's not Christ-like. But we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, which means change is possible. Change is possible. Do you want it? Will you embrace it? Will you reach for it? Or will you let negative emotions and negative thoughts keep you stuck in negative circumstances. Will you, let, what you, will you let your marriage get where God wants it to go? Your family, your finances, your place in church, your ministry, your life? Or will you let the negatives of the world keep you from what God has for you? You're predestined to be like Jesus. How are you going to get there? Well, if I just get old... Maybe then I'll be more like Christ. Nope. I know a lot of old people who aren't getting better. Hmm? Come on, some of you old people are just grumpy. Act like you know it all. Right? Just got an attitude. Mad at young people. Young people around here taking over everything. Young people. All about the young people. Young people singing a song. What happened to the old song? The old songs were anointed, but no, now we got the new song. Yeah, we sing the new song just to test you. Now we're wearing jeans in church. Oh, boy. Now we're cutting holes in our jeans. Oh. We do that just to test old people. Because if you get an attitude and you get grumpy and you don't like change and you don't like new things, it reminds you, 
Oh yeah, I'm supposed to become more like Jesus. Jesus is accepting Jesus, is renewing Jesus, is loving Jesus, is embracing. So you're not going to become more like Christ just by getting older. Some of you have been Christians for a while and you know you're still struggling with issues. There's no condemnation, it's just reality. Some of you guys still dealing with some of those sexual issues. Some of you girls too. Some of you aren't sure if you're a guy or a girl. That's an issue. So how are we going to how are we going to become more like Christ? Well, the simplest way to see it is to have the life of Christ, you have to have the thoughts of Christ. Right? Remember, years ago, we used to do the, some of you will remember, we used to do the stuff, what would Jesus do? We'd have the little bracelet or the whatever, the pin or whatever. WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? Which is a good thought. What would Jesus do? But I think we should start even before that and we could say WWJT. What would Jesus think? Because if you think the thoughts of Jesus, you're going to live the life of Jesus. But if your thinking is not right, your living won't be right. You remember the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55. Some of you heard this scripture before where it said, God speaking to Isaiah, and he says, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. Boy, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me one day, As soon as you get higher thoughts, you'll get higher ways. God's thoughts are higher that's the way God's ways are high. How am I going to get my marriage to a higher place? You have to start thinking different about your wife, about your husband, about your marriage. How am I going to get my family to a higher place in the blessing of God? You have to have some higher thoughts to get you to a higher family life. How am I going to get my income up, get my finances up? I'm tired of just paying the bills, barely getting by. I'm tired of living uh, on barely, uh, barely enough. Well, if you get some higher thoughts, you're going to get some higher income. It's not God holding you back. And I think if you look around the world, there are many people moving into various realms of success. So obviously it's possible. Well, you say, no, it's not possible because I'm white and, and, and white people in this world just can't, get a, can't get, a, get, a, get a break, especially white people with red hair. I mean, we can never catch a break. Well, I can't do it because I'm Hispanic. You know, and Hispanic people, you know, everybody, everybody hates, everybody's against us. No, it's not going to happen because I'm black and black people, you know how you, black people have been treated. I mean, everybody knows that. I'm never going to get ahead. I'm, I'm too black. Or Asian. Or you're too tall or you're too short. Or you're too skinny or you're too fat. Or your IQ's too high or too low. We can all come up with a reason or we can all say, I'm predestined by God to be like Jesus. All I need is a higher thought. I'm going to get to a higher way of life. If I could get the thoughts of God, I could live the life of God. So the only thing holding me back is me. Hey, if the president can become the president, you can change, I promise. 
I'm not even talking about politics. I'm just saying, if that can happen, even you can change. But see, the enemy keeps telling you, you'll never lose weight. Your husband will never get better. You're never going to get out of debt. You know what's bad? You believe him. Because that's the way you think too. If, here it is, guys. Here it is. If you can get a new thought, you can change anything in your life. I don't mean your skin color. I don't mean your height. I'm not talking about those things because those things don't matter. You can succeed in spite of all those natural things. I'm saying in your relationships and in your finances and in your spiritual life and in your purpose, if you can get a new thought, you'll be on your way to a new life. It's not overnight. doesn't happen quickly. This isn't just some kind of, you know, how do I get there quick? If you're looking for something quick, you're still thinking wrong. The Bible says through faith and patience, you'll inherit the promises. I've been working 40 years to try to renew my mind. Still got a ways to go. Just ask my wife, Wendy. When we did this new version of Renewing the Mind, we, we subtitled it, With God's Grace You Can Change. It starts with a desire. Maybe you keep telling yourself, I have to, I should. But if you could stop and say, I want to. I don't have to. I never told my children, you have to serve God, because they don't. They can do whatever they want to do. I never told them, you have to follow us at church. You have to get involved with ministry. No, because they don't. They could be alcoholics. They could be heroin addicts. They can do whatever they want to do. And some of you keep saying to your children, you can't do that. You better not do that. You can't date that girl. All that means is, while you're watching, I got to be cool. soon as you're not watching, I do what I want to do. My kid ain't going to do that. Already is. <laughs> right? So we've got to shift our thinking and start to talk about desire. We hope our children desire to serve God. We pray that they desire to walk with God. They don't have to. We can't make them. But we pray. You know the best way to help your children to have that desire? Be a happy Christian. They're going to make a decision based on you. Do they want to grow up and be like you? Sick, sad, sorry, and poor? No, that's not you. I'm talking about that other church over there. But it starts with desire, doesn't it? And then we, I go on through a lot of different things. Are you conformed or transformed? How's our time doing? Are y'all getting tired? Do we have 10 more minutes? Who'll give me 11? Can I have 11? 12. Do I hear 12? 12 minutes. Let's look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. This is the scripture that got me when I was in the rehab center. Romans 12. Verse 2. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How are you going to get to the perfect will of God in your marriage? You're going to have to be transformed by renewing your mind. No one knows how to be a good wife or husband just because they got married. That's obvious with all of our struggles and divorces and disasters. But you can get to the will of God if you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are you going to get to that place economically? Maybe you were raised in a home that was poor and and parents were struggling and that's all you've known is barely getting by. How are you going to get to a new realm of finances? It's not going to happen when, when you get an increase in your welfare check. It's not going to happen because your food stamps went up 10%. Whoa, pastor, I got more food stamps. That's not our answer. That's not what we're looking for. God can prosper our lives. God can lift our lives. God has a plan for success in life. How are you going to get there? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, I I thought if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. Well, you thought wrong. Right? I had someone come to me just recently at church, and they've been in our church for a while. And they said, well, pastor, I just believe if it's God's will, it's going to happen. And I said, well, is it God's will for you to tithe? He said, well, yeah. And I said, and yet you don't. Is it God's will for you to have time with your children? Yeah. And yet you're so busy, you don't. Because I know his wife and I know his circumstance. Just because it's God's will doesn't mean it's going to happen. Well, now he got stirred up, right? Now he's upset. And I know the brother. He's been in our church for a while. He said, well, because you just made me mad. Now, Now you just made me mad. I said, what? He said, you made me mad. I said, praise the Lord. I said, if I can make you mad next week, I'm going to make you tithe. And then I'm going to make you be nice to your wife. And since I'm on a roll, I'm going to make you have time with your kids. Since I can make you, I'm just going to make you love your kids more. Then he realized what I was saying. I can't make anybody mad or glad, can I? All I can do is share a thought and then how you respond to it will decide whether you're mad or glad. I can't make you and neither can God. Because of the way God set it up, He gave you a will. He created you in His likeness and His image. He's not going to make you obey. You have to desire it, and then you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But here's our problem. Most of us spend more time being conformed than we do being transformed. Count up how many hours a week of secular television you watch compared to how many hours of Bible study you get. How much time do you spend in church versus how much time you spend at the club? Shaking your booty. Right? I know. It's okay. I'm not saying don't go to the club because you're bootylicious. Right? 
But you got more hours of secular input, more hours of input to your booty, so you're more conformed to the world. Well, I don't understand why I can't find the right guy. Because you're conformed. And you don't want to marry that guy in the world. But that's the only guy you can attract because you're conformed to the world. Well, how come I can't find a good wife? I've been coming to church. There's no good wives left in our church. No, that's not it. You're more conformed to the world. So the only girl that's attracted to you, you don't like. Mm -hmm. Because you're weird. But you don't, have to, you don't have to stay there. That's what I'm trying to say. You can change. Hey, Julia said to me, Big Red, you can change. You can change every circumstance if you're in your life if you're willing to stop being conformed to the world and decide to be transformed to the Word of God. Right? It's possible. It's possible. You can change. So now you, now you have a decision. Do you want more of what God has for you? Are you willing to spend more time being transformed, less time being conformed? You know, you just listen to people talk for a few minutes, and you can tell, are they transformed or conformed? Listen to what people believe and what people watch on TV and what people think about and talk about. And you can tell, are they transformed or conformed? Now, remember, you don't have to change. You don't have to. You love the Lord. The Lord loves you. You're going to heaven. You'll probably get there quick. But if you want more of what God wills for you, If you want to see more of God's will in your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. We had our second granddaughter two weeks ago. And Nora Jane's so cute, right? Eight-pound little girl, just perfect. All she does is look perfect. When they're not mobile, they're so easy. She's got a four-year-old sister who I can barely catch on the go. But I want to be there for Nora when she's 20 or 25 or 30. I want to be there at her wedding and say to her husband, I'm watching. (laughs) Right? I want to be there for her children. I want to see those great-grandchildren. So how am I going to get to that place in life and still be with my wife? And not be broke and busted. Not be sick and poor. Not be depressed and discouraged. I'm going to have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so I can live at that higher level. Amen? It's possible. It's possible. You don't have to, but you can. For some of you, it just means to raise your vision. Raise your expectation, raise your hope, and raise your desire because God will give you the desires of your heart. God loves doing that. God wants to do that. Can I give you one last scripture? Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. 
You got it there, guys? Here it is. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, what Paul is saying there is the carnal mind separates you from the things of God. Right? Death means separation. When you physically die, you're separated from your physical body. When a marriage dies, husband and wife are separated. When you're spiritually dead, you're separated from God. You still exist, but you're separated. And so the carnal mind is death. It separates you from your healing. The carnal mind separates you from God's favor. The carnal mind separates you from the joy of the Lord. We come to church, you guys have a great church, you have amazing pastors, you have a wonderful destiny in this body of Christ, and yet you can be depressed and discouraged in the midst of it all because the carnal mind separates you from the joy of the Lord. So let's not be carnally minded, let's be spiritually minded. Why? Because we have to? No, we want to. We want to see what God has for us. We want to see behind what's behind door number one, two, and three. I want all the doors. I want to see what God has for my life. How far can I go? What is abundant life? I don't think I'm there yet, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Whoo, what's that all about? I want to try that on. I want to check that out. I want to see what that feels like. How am I going to get there? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and you'll find the perfect will of God. Stop being conformed to the world. Don't let your carnal mind separate you from what God has for you. You think God has something better for you than the world has? Or you think the club has more for you than the Lord? Does the tavern have more for you than the Lord? Does, does the secular television have more for you than what God has to offer you? That's the lie of the devil. That's the trick of the enemy. Thinking that the serpent will offer Eve something more than what God has offered them. You know that's not true. So let's go for it. Let's go for abundant life. Let's go for the will of God. Let's go for being like Christ. Let's be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Would you close your eyes with me? Father, help us. Help us be transformed. Help us be renewed as we give ourselves to your word. As we give ourselves to your house, as we give ourselves to your will. Lord, I pray for families who may be struggling. Pray for husbands and wives. I pray for parents. I pray for businessmen and businesswomen. And I pray, God, that you bring us up to that higher place. Bring us up to your blessing, abundance, and your perfect will. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen.
Amen. Let's, let's pray one more thing. Let's pray for those of us who struggle with addictions. So many different kinds. Drug, alcohol, food, sex, various issues. All under that heading called addictions. Habits. Things that bind us. Secret things that hold us back. Now remember, you don't have to change. God loves you. You're going to heaven if Jesus is your Lord. But if you want something better, let's pray right now. Close your eyes with me. Now, I don't know if you can do this with the person sitting on your right or on your left. But if you can, and you want this prayer, just lift up a hand to the Lord. If you can, if you're dealing with addiction in your life, whatever kind it might be, I don't know. But God knows. Let's just lift up a hand toward Him. Father, I pray for these who are reaching out. I pray tonight, Lord, the the food addictions, the, the drug addictions, the alcohol addictions, whatever it may be, I pray, God, that a new thought, a new hope, a new strength, a new passion rises up in every man and every woman reaching out to you right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You set us free. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You lift us up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You make a way where we've struggled for so long and there was no way, but tonight you make a way in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right there. Yeah. Now, are you sure about your relationship with God? Are you born of God? Right? Sitting in church does not make you a Christian. You know that, right? Just sitting in church won't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage would make you a car. No, we must. Jesus said you must be born again. And then some of us, at one time, we were born of God and walking with God, and then we get off course. And we get so far away, we wonder, are we still connected? And so I want to pray, if you've not been born again, or maybe your relationship with God has been disconnected somehow, and you want to come back, you want to rededicate your life, let's pray tonight. Let's decide tonight, I'm going forward with Jesus. A Christian is not someone who just comes to church. A Christian is someone who wants to be like Christ and has made Jesus Lord of their life. All right, close your eyes one more time. If you want to know that you're born again, you've not been born again, or your relationship with God has somehow been sidetracked, just lift up a hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. Where are you? I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, quite a few people here. All right. Let's all say this together. Say it out loud. Then Pastor Randy's coming. And and even if you didn't raise your hand, you say it with us. Let's pray together. Tonight, Father, I believe Jesus is Lord. Everyone say it. Tonight, God, I pray you come into my life. 
Lord Jesus, make me a new person. Give me a new heart, a new destiny. From this night on, I'm following you, Lord, not the world. I turn to you, Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. Amen. Amen. All right. Awesome. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.